I love watching those clips. Uh, that's from a show called The Chosen, and they just released their third season. Uh, I went to the movie theater last night with my family to watch the release of the first two episodes. And um, you should do that maybe just for the experience of being in a theater where you know everyone in the room is a Christian. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's different. I liked it, but it was weird, okay? Um, <laughs> Uh, so, and I think my dad was there. I don't know. My dad lives in Georgia. He wasn't there, but there was somebody laughing like my dad laughs in a theater, which is a really distinctive, loud, embarrassing laugh. Um, so maybe he was there in spirit. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so last week we started talking about the kindness and generosity of God. And we talked about how we, we can receive the kindness and generosity of God. And he has poured that out on us in our lives. So today we're going to talk about what we do in response to the kindness and generosity of God. And we put this under the umbrella of what we call greater love. Greater love uh, is this uh, idea, this truth, I believe, that the love of the kingdom of God is greater than any other love. So the way we say that is the love that God pours out on us is greater than any love we could experience from any other source in our lives. So because we've experienced this great love from God, the love that we love God with is greater than the love that we would show to anyone or anything else. And because we have this incredible relationship where God is pouring this great love out on us and we're loving him with this great love, then the love that comes from us to other people is greater than any other love they could experience outside of the kingdom of God. And under this greater love, we've talked about God's kindness and generosity and what it looks like for us to respond to that. So we're gonna go to this uh, verse we talked about last week, John 15, 13. We're gonna back up and read the one before that also. So we're gonna do 12 and 13 to start with. Again, if you see something on the screen that's underlined, you can read that aloud with us. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. My command is this. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That last part we read last week, that greater love is, is, is in action, sacrificial action. But what he says in the verse before that is here's, here's how I want you to love people. And it's a very distinctive way. I want you to love people the way that I love you. I think this is incredible. I think this is why it's so important to read the gospel accounts of Jesus's life because we get to see how did Jesus love people? And then we look at our own lives and we ask this question, how, how has he loved me the way that he loved people in scripture? And then Jesus says, that's, that's your definition. That's your blueprint. That's your example. That's how I want you to love other people. And the idea is that we are conduits through which God loves other people. That we're like funnels. Imagine yourself as a funnel, right? Can you picture yourself that way? Um, some of you are like, oh, I'm already funnel-shaped, so great. This works great for me. Um, it, you're like a funnel. God is pouring his love out on you. So what, when you pour something into a funnel, what comes out? The same thing. The same thing that you pour in. It doesn't change. There's, there's nothing in the funnel that changes what you pour into it. It just channels it, right? So God, God is pouring this great love out on us, and we are funnels that what comes out of us is the kindness and generosity of God. It should look exactly like what comes into us. But that's not always the case. In fact, we often give ourselves credit for being really kind and generous people because we can look at our lives and say, I am kind and generous to the people that I love. And then we define love as the way we feel about people. 
So I'm kind of generous to the, way, to the people that I feel a certain way about. So there, there are people in my life that I feel love towards. And maybe that feeling is directed in a sense of like attraction or connectedness. Maybe it's directed in a sense of responsibility where, where you can kind of look at somebody and go, well, I'm responsible for them. So I, I, I have this feeling of responsibility. So I love, love them. Maybe it's a sense of obligation where you feel this positive sense of obligation, like this is something that's on me to do for this person. Um, there, there are a lot of feelings that we can have pride. We can have pride. I look at my children. I, I love my, I have pride in my children. I'm very uh, glad to be their dad, right? And so I, that feeling is love. And so I am kind and generous to the people that I have these feelings for, right? But the way that Jesus loves people and the way that God loves us has nothing to do with feeling, it doesn't have anything to do with like having this warm, fuzzy thing going on in your heart where your palms get sweaty or you, you know, swell up with pride. Like that is not part of how Jesus loves people and commands us to love people. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It's all about what you do. Greater love has no one than this than to have warm feelings for the people in your living room. I mean, that's not what he says, right? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. It's about action. So when Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter seven, um, this is what we call the golden rule. You guys remember this, the golden rule? When I was a kid, we learned this in kindergarten, in public school, the golden rule, right? Um, maybe they still do today, I don't know. So here's how it goes. So in everything, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I got ahead of you there, my apologies. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the idea that, that I'm not gonna try to figure out how I feel about a person. I'm just gonna treat them a certain way, no matter what. That's, that's the kindness and generosity of God flowing through us. So there are a few things I want us to know, some principles of this kind of greater love version of kindness and generosity that I, I want us to look at today from scripture. And then I want us to talk about what it would look like in our lives for us to be conduits, be funnels of God's kindness and generosity to people that we may not have warm, fuzzy feelings for, okay? So here's, here's the first place that I wanna look at where Jesus talks about this. Matthew chapter 25, this is basically a prophecy about what's gonna happen uh, at the end. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he's, he's gonna sit, he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. This is a great, just foundational starting point for the kindness and generosity of God flowing through human beings to those in need. And you notice Jesus doesn't include any kind of uh, like language about, well, make sure they deserve it first, right? Make sure they're not gonna squander whatever you give to them. Make sure they're not gonna repeat whatever actions got them into this situation to begin with. None of that is in here, right? It's just, you see a need and you meet it. So what is the response? Jesus says, hey, good job. You guys did this it, and it was amazing. Good job. What is their response when they hear this? You're, you're gonna read most of this. You ready? We'll get our timing together here. Then the righteous will answer him. 
And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What I think is so fascinating about their response is Jesus is calling out this incredible kindness and generosity that has flowed out of these people and they're going, I don't remember doing that. Like, I, I don't, I'm confused. When did, when did we do that? And here's what I think is happening. I think here's what Jesus is celebrating. These people were so used to being kind and generous to everyone that they no longer recognized when they were doing it. Have you ever driven somewhere really familiar, like to your house or, or to your job or uh, to your favorite restaurant, like Chick-fil-A maybe, and you get there and you don't remember the drive. You don't remember the turns you took. You don't remember like because your mind was somewhere else and it's like your car just knows where to go. Or maybe you actually have one of those cars that knows where to go, I don't know. But your mind, you, your mind was somewhere else. You're so familiar with the route that you don't remember the turns that you took. You just do it automatically. I think this is what Jesus is talking about with these people. He's like, you, you guys are so used to, it's such a normal part. You've repeated this process so many times, you're not even aware that you're doing it. And I celebrate, I love that. That's exactly the kind of people that are gonna be celebrated in the kingdom of God. You have just built kindness and generosity into your everyday life. You don't even know you're doing it anymore. That's how I wanna be. I wanna be that kind of person where it just flows out of me. And, and if somebody said, hey man, you're, th thanks for being so kind. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't even know, I don't remember doing that. I'm just living life, that's just what I do. Like that's how I wanna be. And I think that is a greater love version of kindness and generosity that is not judgmental or self-conscious. It's not judgmental or self-conscious. It's not looking around, finding out if people deserve it. And it's not looking at, is anybody gonna see? Is anybody gonna write? If I do this, will anybody know? Um, will anybody mention my name? Um, or it's none of that is involved. It's just kindness and generosity for the sake of meeting the needs of the people around us. So that's, that's principle number one. Uh, number two is this, this kind of kindness and generosity speaks the truth in love. Speaks the truth in love. Uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses 14 and 15. Uh, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, talking to them about how to uh, be the church, how to keep false teaching from getting in the way and how to build each other up and be the body of Christ. Here's what he says. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So the implication here is if we don't speak the truth in love, then this stuff in verse 14 is what happens. We're blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. If we don't speak the truth in love, then anything goes. And, and, and we, we just have no real handle on what's true, what's real, what's right. But instead, we're gonna speak the truth in love. This is not a very popular approach in our culture today. A lot of people don't wanna talk about any other truth but my truth. There's my truth and that's the truth and your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and don't tell me your truth you know, because that's not for me. And man, that's such a, that's such a it just describes as we're tossed back and forth by the waves. There's no real handle on anything solid. There's nothing to stand on. 
So what is the truth? How do do we speak to, how do we even know what the truth is? Is it my opinion? Is my opinion the truth? I hope not, because I have changed my opinion a lot over the years. There have been times when I was dead wrong. I'm probably pretty dead wrong about something right now. What's the truth? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus shows us the words that he says and the works that he does, that's the truth. And when we can speak that truth and love to people, man, it gives us something firm to stand on. That is the kindness and generosity of God flowing through us. It's not always nice to speak the truth in love, is it? Nice is you never criticize anyone. You never say anything that could be interpreted as critical feedback or you need to change something. Nice people don't do that. But we're not called to be nice. We're called to be kind. There's a difference between nice and kind. And kind people absolutely step into the lives of the people they love and speak the truth. Because that's what love is. This greater love version of kindness and generosity speaks the truth in love. Principle number three. Um, This kind of kindness and generosity responds to the Holy Spirit, responds to the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Those who are in Christ have the Holy Spirit living in us. And part of our lifelong journey is to learn how to listen to and obey that Holy Spirit living in our lives because he will guide us into kindness and generosity. There's a great example of this in Acts chapter eight, this really cool story where there's this uh, Ethiopian guy in a chariot going down the road. He's reading scripture. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. It's a scroll and he doesn't understand what he's reading. Can anybody relate? You ever read the Bible and go, I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't really know what this means. Yeah, that happens. And it was happening to this guy, this Ethiopian driving down the road, reading scripture, doesn't understand what he's reading. The Holy Spirit sees him and cares about him. So he goes and taps Philip on the shoulder. Philip actually does understand what Isaiah is talking about. He says, hey, Philip, I want you to go to this road down in the South and let's just see what happens. So Philip obeys the Holy Spirit, goes to this road. Lo and behold, an Ethiopian in a chariot reading Isaiah. So he hops up in the chariot and says, what's up? I'm Philip. How's it going? What are you reading? I'm reading Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? Honestly, man, I've got no clue. I happen to understand it. Do you mind if I share this with you? So he talks him through how Isaiah is actually talking about Jesus. And he's like, Jesus is where it's at, man. You gotta get to know Jesus. He tells him all about Jesus from Isaiah. And the Ethiopian gets so excited. He's like, why? I gotta get baptized. There's some water. Let's stop here. I wanna get baptized right now. So they do it. And then the Holy Spirit, I love, you should read this because this is how it ends this story. And the Holy Spirit takes Philip away. You're like, what does that mean? Does he teleport him somewhere else? I don't know, but he's just gone because he did his job. He responded to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, go, and he went. And then he had this opportunity to show kindness and generosity to someone who was different from him, someone who looked different from him, who thought differently from him. And he used that opportunity to teach him about Jesus. I think it's a beautiful story. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. If we will learn to listen to and obey the voice of God, he can use us. Okay, number three. Um, Or is this four? This is four, if you're keeping track. This kind of uh, kindness and generosity moves us into uncomfortable environments and interactions. And this is where a lot of people say, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't like uncomfortable environments. That's like why we call it uncomfortable. (laughs) So I'd rather not. I'd just rather not be uncomfortable. But man, 
The kindness and generosity of God is going to flow through us in ways that make us uncomfortable sometimes. Here's, here's what that uh, looks like in Jesus' teaching. We, we were at the scripture last week, so this will be um, familiar. If you were here, Matthew 5, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus is calling us to maturity, to a completeness, right? And he says, anyone, can be kind and generous to people that you have warm feelings for. Like that's pretty natural. That's gonna be easy. What we're doing, what the kingdom of God is about, is about being kind and generous to people who are not like you. People you might even consider an enemy. I don't know if you have any enemies, people that are actively trying to disrupt your life. Jesus says, even if you have those people in your life, you should be kind and generous to them. Why? Because God has been kind and generous to you when you were acting like a jerk towards him. So this is what it looks like for us to love as Jesus loves us. And I think what we have to pay attention to here is that like we can't love people, we can't be kind and generous to people by avoiding them. And I think what we try to do sometimes, I'm being honest, here's what I try to do sometimes. If there are people who tend to seem like they want to disrupt my personal happiness, or um, we just have strong differences and, and our interactions are not pleasant, or I just find them annoying. Now, it would not be any of you. None of you are annoying. But there might be people out there that I might find annoying. Hypothetically, my tendency is just to avoid them. You feel that? Do you have that in your life, in your heart? My tendency is just like, I'll just, I'll just go this way. They're over there, I'm going a different direction. You can't be kind and generous to people by avoiding them because kindness and generosity is not about a feeling, it's about action. And action requires us to do something on their behalf. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. All right, last principle. Um, this type of kindness and generosity will cost us resources. It will cost us resources. You guys remember when Jesus was asked, somebody said, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And uh, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And there's another one you gotta kind of add to that, love your neighbor as yourself. And then somebody in the crowd said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told a story as an answer to that question, who is my neighbor? The story of, we call it the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's about this Jewish man who's walking down the road, gets beat up and robbed and thrown into a ditch. And then a couple of religious people walk by and kind of move to the other side in a pretty bold statement of, we're too good for this situation. Too busy, too important, too pure, whatever. And then a man comes by who should be the guy's natural enemy, is a Samaritan, and he doesn't pass by. In fact, he stops and his actions towards this person cost him. They cost him time because he stopped from his journey. They cost him 
energy because he puts this wounded person on his donkey so he walks while this guy rides. And it costs him money because he takes him to an inn and pays for his care. He allows his kindness and generosity to cost him something. I think that's, I think that's significant. I think if you've ever experienced that, you probably have never forgotten it. If somebody has ever been kind and generous to you in a way that costs them something, I bet it stuck out to you. This is what we're called to. This is what we're, what's demonstrated for us is, is a kind of love that costs us something. So I wanna give us a couple scenarios of what that sort of looks like because I think there are a couple of ways that we can get a little uh, on the wrong foot with generosity. Uh, so here's scenario number one. Uh, let's say I have two ice cream cones and you have zero ice cream cones. And I give you an ice cream cone. So now you, you have something you didn't have before. Is that generosity? Well, I experience it, uh, or you experience it as generosity because you, you now have something that you didn't have before. So to you, it may feel like generosity. But to me, does it feel like generosity? I had two ice cream. What am I gonna do with two ice cream cones? Well, I could eat them, I guess, but that's a little indulgent, right? I'm not gonna lie. I've probably eaten two ice cream cones before. But like, I have extra, and out of this extra that I have that I, I, don't, even, I don't even have a use for, I give you some of my extra. Is that really generous? Or is that just like basic, you know, human decency? Uh, here's another scenario. Let's say I have one ice cream cone and you have zero ice cream cones. And I take the one ice cream cone I have and I give it to you, but you're lactose intolerant. Is that generosity? Well, it feels like generosity to me because I gave away something that I had. Now I don't have it anymore. It wasn't extra. It was the only one I had. But was it generosity to you? No. What are you going to do with it? If you eat it, you'll get sick or you just have to throw it away. Feed it to your dog, I guess. I don't know. So here are a couple of ways where I think we get on the wrong foot. If we're just giving out of this abundance, like we just have more than we could possibly use and we give some of that away, I'm not sure that's really generous. Or if we give thoughtlessly, even in a way that might be sacrificial, but we haven't thought it through and it's not helpful, is that generous? I don't think so. So here's what I want us to talk about. What does it look like for us to be kind and generous in a way that is costly and thoughtful? We let it cost us something, but also put some thought into it so it's actually helpful. So here's, here's what we're gonna do. We're, gonna, we're launching a generosity venture today called Planting Presence. And we're gonna run this through our Advent season. Our Advent series starts next week. It's gonna be called Expecting Presence. Um, not the kind that ends with a T, but the other kind. So a little word play there. Mrs. Beachler likes that, right? Expecting presence. And then we're going to uh, tag onto it this uh, generosity venture called Planting Presence. Um, good, uh, Black Friday's coming up, right? I almost said Good Friday. It's like the opposite of Good Friday. It's Black Friday. <laughs> um, and you guys know, you've heard statistics about how crazy, you know, Americans go with Black Friday, um, this is just a time of year when we spend a lot of money on gifts. And one thing that I think our culture tries to get us to buy into, this is a marketing strategy to get you to spend more money, is that the more you spend, the more you love someone. Like that's, those two things go together. If I love you a lot, I spend a lot. 
If I spend a lot, you should know that I love you a lot. Can we just be honest for a minute and like mentally acknowledge that's not really true? That that's not how love works? Love is not tied to how much I spend on you. Can, is that, can we acknowledge that that's really not true? So uh, what I want us to do is go into this season of buying gifts with our eyes kind of wide open to the way the culture tries to trick us into spending more than we really need to spend and instead do something else with our money. The average family in the U.S. spends $300 per child at Christmas. Some of you, that, you're like, that's not very much. We go way over that. Some of you are like, whoa, three, I, how can you possibly spend $300? Socks are like 10 bucks. So like, you're, that's the average though, right? The average is 300. The average uh, couple spend $250 on each other. That's, that's 500. The average family in the U.S. spends over $1,000 on Christmas gifts just inside their own home. It's not counting, you know, friends, neighbors, relatives, $1,000 a year. Some of you are like, that's not that much. And some of you are like, that's a lot. So but I'm just saying, that's the average. What if we took a different mindset this year, just this year, just for the next few weeks? And we said, how much I spend on you is not proof of my love. What if, what if we decided as a family, hey, well, let's spend a little less on gifts this year and let's invest in something else. Well, what else? What could that be? Adam has an answer for you, believe it or not. We recently got connected with this organization called Central India Christian Mission. And their deal, they've been around a long time and they have gotten really good at training ministers to take the gospel into places where people have never heard about Jesus. And they have recently gained access into a state in India where they couldn't get into before because there are local laws that say you're not allowed to try to convert people in this, in this area. Well, they've changed that law and now they, they can go into this state. There are 65 million people that live in this state in India and less than 1% of them have heard about Jesus. And they are primed and ready to send some people in there to start new churches and share the gospel in this state. They just need some money to do it. Their uh, records over the last few years tell them that on average, if they send one minister into an unchurched or unreached area, that one person will plant four new churches in a year and see 800 converts. 800 people who didn't know Jesus choose to follow Jesus in one year through the work of one minister. I want us to send three ministers into that state in 2023. If we do that and the numbers hold true, those three people will plant 12 new churches and see 2,400 converts to Jesus. 2,400 people who get new life in Christ. Does that sound like a good investment to you? Does that sound like something that's worth spending a little less on gifts for my family so I can invest in this? How much do you think it would cost to fund those three people for a year? $10,000. That's it, $10,000. We could barely scratch the surface of planting a church in the United States for $10,000. Now we invest in church planting in the US because I believe in it, I think it's very powerful, but it costs a lot more here. It's about $3,500 per person to send these guys out for a year and we could send out three. Does that sound like something worth investing a little extra money into? Oh man, I get excited just thinking about it. In fact, I'm so confident in your generosity. I, I think we will pass the 10,000. 
And I'm just curious to see how far beyond it we go. So you have an opportunity over the next four weeks to, as a family, talk about, can we spend a little, I'm not asking you to to take more out of your weekly or giving or whatever, or your bills or none of that. Just, Just your Christmas gift buying. If you just spend a little less on that and took the extra and put it into this fund. It's called Planting Presence. If you go to our app, there's a a drop-down on the app where uh, you can choose to designate some giving for planting presence. If you just did that as a family, and that that can be some, we're gonna celebrate that all year next year as we get these stories coming in of these ministers going out and sharing the gospel with people who have never heard about Jesus before. So I just wanna invite you to think about that and pray about that as we close today. What does it look like for the kindness and generosity to flow through you to people who are not like you? I think this is a good way for us to put this into practice. Would you stand? We're gonna close with a word of prayer. Because here's what I think happens. When we open our minds up to recognize that there are people out there, maybe they're in your neighborhood, maybe they're at your workplace, maybe they're in your school, but there are people out there, maybe they're in a different country like India, that God loves and he wants them to know how much he loves them. And his plan A for showing them his love is you. It's you, your plan A. You're the way that God wants to channel his kindness and generosity to people who are different from you. Are you willing to step into that? And when we say yes, man, that's when the good stuff happens. That's when the Holy Spirit takes over and does things things that we can't do and changes hearts and lives. And we just get to say, God, you're awesome. I just want to invite you to pray about this with me today. Let's close. Father, thank you so much for pouring out your kindness and generosity on me. I didn't deserve it, but that didn't stop you. And I'm grateful. And my prayer, Father, is that your kindness and generosity will flow through me to people around me, people who are different from me, who think differently, look different, speak different. And that as I make myself available, God, you, you will draw people to you. You will show people how much you love them and you'll change hearts and lives. Thank you that I get to be invited into that and help me to embrace that. And I pray that as we as a church family embrace this invitation to be conduits of your love, that you would change hearts and lives and we get to praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for being here today. Go in peace, be salt and light in a world that desperately needs the hope of Christ. God bless you.